Praise the Lord. It's so good to be again here on the Holy Hill. <laughs> yes, many things I have experienced here with my God. And he's still here. He's still the same. You can expect great things from him because he never changes. Hallelujah. I'm so excited to hear that you have this Luke 10:2 prayer here because the harvest field is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, God sent forth laborers into the harvest field to bring it that precious crop from the ends of the earth. Because Jesus will not return before his promise will be fulfilled that out of every tongue, tribe, and nation, there will be promised. And if Jesus prophesies that, it will come to pass. Out of every tongue, tribe, and nation, they will stand before the Lord, worshiping the Lamb. Hallelujah. That's what we work for. So the Lord has said, go into all the world. For us, Haley Mission, it's flying to all the world to hasten his coming, to bring in the harvest from the ends of the world. And what we lack most is workers, mechanics especially. Every, every second boy's dream is to fly a helicopter. And if you can do it for the Lord, ha, what else? What better can you do? <laughs> but we need also those who are committed to maintain these machines. Because without maintenance, I don't want to fly a machine that is not maintained <laughs> well. So we need mechanics. Maybe you're here now at Elam, not thinking about mechanics. But maybe you know someone who is a very gifted mechanic who might has a call in his life to invest his gift into reaching the unreached. He's maybe not gifted so much to preach and to uh, do evangelistic outreach, but he's very gifted with his hands. Talk to him. Share the vision. Maybe later when you are youth pastor or church leader, remember, Haley Mission needs helicopter mechanics. Okay, send them to us. You will find us online. Hallelujah. Um, I brought you a little PowerPoint. We have a few pictures from uh, Indonesia. There we have our largest base. Maybe you can take the next slide. Yes, it's Indonesia, a large country, almost 250 million people. It's the world's largest Muslim country. Not everyone is a Muslim there, but as a country, it's the world's largest, 250 million. And on the right there, you can see Vamena, Papua. There we have our base with three machines. You can see in the next picture. This is Vamena. This town is the only town in the world that is supplied only by air. There is no road going to the coast. So every bag of cement, every liter of fuel, every Coke bottle is flown into this place. And there is our base at the airport. And this part of Indonesia, because of rich gold mines, would like to become independent from Indonesia, but Indonesia doesn't want to let them go because of that income. <laughs> and so last Monday, yeah, yesterday, a week ago, there was a big riot up in this town. They have burned many buildings, government buildings. They have killed 27 people. And uh, it was a really disaster. We had to evacuate some families. 
and uh, we pray for lasting peace in this area. Maybe you can show the next picture. This is our hangar here. Next picture. Inside the hangar, we have three machines there. And the next picture, we'll see our team. Faithful workers from overseas as well as nationals joining together to bring in the harvest. And the next picture. Uh, if you click again, it should be a short movie that you can see houses burning from last Monday, this is. If you click again, it should, uh, it doesn't run, but you see the pictures of what has happening. Yeah, and one more. The military has been flown in to now bring about peace so that uh, the government would really enforce peace again so people are not leaving the town or will return actually. Next one. Okay, we leave it at this. So this is now good advertisement to recruit people, right? <laughs> Go to a place where they burn down your house, eh? <laughs> well, with God, we know we are never alone. And our people there also have experienced God's hand of protection. None of our people got hurt. No house of our staff, also national staff, no house got burned. So we thank the Lord for his hand of protection in the midst of trials and persecution. Yes, so we have had already pictures of fire. And my theme this morning is the fire of God. And I believe it has a legacy here at Elam. Where does it come from? Elam, IQ Spencer, a vision of fire all over the world. If that fire would just burn all over the world, the fire of revival, the fire of God that will consume everything on earth for his glory. So there are many aspects of fire, to the fire of God. Today I want to touch only two aspects. One is the pillar of fire that is leading you. Like the people in Israel's people in the wilderness. And then the second will be that I want to speak about is the unquenchable fire. It's that purifying fire. We might not so much like that, but the fruit of that, it's great. And therefore, it is something desirable. So first about God leading us in the pill, with the pillar on fire. And basically that is during the night. Even if you live in times where you feel it's dark, pitch dark, night, no one is with me. Everything is against me. You can be sure the Lord is with you in the pillar of fire that will guide you out of the darkness again. But that pillar of fire has led also God's people to places where they might not really liked it. It was like into a dead end road. God led them to the, to the Red Sea. No way out. God, what are you doing? Crazy? Well, he did it that he will be glorified through it all. That he will make a way where there seems to be no way. And who will get the glory? Moses? No, 
God. God, he wants to have the glory. And that's why he leads us sometimes into situation that we don't like. We wouldn't go on our own, only if we follow the Lord. Into the wilderness, Sinai. It's a process where what the Lord does in the desert times. To change something within us. To produce something that is precious. Maybe he leads you into fasting. Who likes to fast? <laughs> really, I mean, we don't really like to fast. Huh? I mean, <laughs> but sometimes the Lord leads us into a time of fasting, seeking him, pressing in. That's also the Lord with his presence leading us. Or into intercession, push prayer. Do you know that? Huh? Prayer until something happens. It's not easy sometimes to stay on it. Maybe it takes years. Maybe it takes decades. I know of people who have prayed for Albania. My wife is from Albania. It was closed country, most closed country in Europe under communism. And there were people praying for decades, trusting God to open the door and to bring those walls down that the gospel will enter that country. And it happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there are other countries, I know there are people praying, interceding for North Korea, places that the gospel is hard to, to bring into. But God will make a way. Hallelujah. I believe also for North Korea, God will make a way. Intercession prayer. I'd like to read one verse from John 21, 18. You know that in that chapter, the restoration of Peter who has denied Jesus three times. And then at the end he said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Not so nice. But when I commit myself to the Lord and I say, here am I, send me wherever, do with me whatever, you shall be glorified. It might have some costs to it that I will bring in that harvest, that precious fruit that the Lord wants to produce with you and my life. The positive thing about the pillar of fire being with us or us following, walking with the pillar of fire is that God is with us all the time. If I follow him, he will be with me. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He will refresh my soul. He will be the source of everything I need to do what he has called me to do. So it's not just <laughs> negative or difficult to walk with the pillar of fire. It is the encouragement, the assurance of God with me. And that is awesome. He will never leave nor forsake you. He promised. And then I like to 
bring our focus to the unquenchable fire of God. We read in Matthew 3, 11 and 12, there the, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We love, we Pentecostals, I say, we Charismatics, we love to hear and experience the Holy Ghost. It is awesome to be in his presence. I love it. I couldn't do without it. If I would not experience the Lord by his power, by his Holy Spirit, on a regular basis, I would not be able to do what I am called to do. He empowers me and he refreshes me. I love to be in his presence and to rejoice in his presence. The Holy Spirit my comforter, spring of living water right within me, coming forth, refreshment, the assurance that I'm a child of the living God, that I can call Abba Father as we were singing. Awesome. I love it. The second part of these two verses about the fire. John was not explaining much about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this place. He was talking about what it meant, the baptism in the fire, that he will cleanse us, cleanse. He will burn away that which is not good for the fruit. The chaff will spoil the flower, will spoil the fruit, so the Lord wants to burn away all that stuff that will affect the fruit. So it is a good process that the Lord is doing in my life. I don't do it myself. I cannot. It is his fire that will do that work in me. About myself, I think sometimes I'm a pretty good driver and probably I would be also a pretty good pilot out on the field, and I would have liked to be that more out on the field, to be a pilot flying into the bush, preach there, and be right on the front lines. But God has called me to step into the footsteps of my father. Big shoes to be filled after a pioneer like my father. I would have rather also written some nice adventure stories like my father first first pilot who crossed the sahara desert in a helicopter being in the jungle and doing all that crazy stuff but god had different plans because then if i would go and fly because i think i can do it well i would rely on my abilities i would rely on what i can do now I'm in a position, I rely completely 
on what he can do. I can't do it without him. I need him. I need him on a daily basis. And I think that's where we are the happiest in the end because we know he's faithful. He carries us through. He gives us what it takes. To burn away what hinders the fruit. Being set apart. Separate yourself. We actually read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14, 17, and 18, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be the father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So, sons and daughters of the Lord, they will come out. They will separate themselves from the world. We still live in the world, but we are not from the world. We have another DNA. We have another blood group. We are bought by the precious blood of the Lord. We are still here, but to be a light and not be connected with the world. That is a part of that process of purification, of the chaff being burned in our lives. And it is a process. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, the Bible says, in Hebrews 12, 14. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It is wonderful to be in his presence, to sing, to dance. But the Lord wants us to become worthy to meet the bridegroom. He wants to purify us. And he wants to take away everything that is hindering us to produce fruit. And you know what? If our lives produce fruit, the Bible says he will prune us in order to produce more fruit. God wants to produce much fruit with you and my life. Because he sees a world that is in disaster, a world that is lost. He wants to reach as many as possible. His intention actually is that everyone shall be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth of salvation. Everyone. That's God's heart. He doesn't want that one person would perish. God cries for the people out there. And may that cry touch my heart again and again. So he's pruning in order to produce more fruit, we read in John 15. In Papua, again, that place, you know where Papua is? Just the north of Australia. We have a family that we fly. The family shepherd, they are working out in the bush. You can see them here. Since, I think, eight years, they work out there in the bush, have studied the language, have translated parts of the Bible already, and there is a split-off church. They call themselves also Christians. It's hard to believe. And they burned other churches 10 years ago, 12 years ago, a split-off church because it's politically involved. They want 
independence, that Papua will be independent. As a church also, they support that movement. And they have burned 23 churches. They have uh, stoned pastors of that, uh, uh, missionary pastors. And now they have threatened this family, and there's another family living out in the bush there, to kill them and to burn their houses if they continue to minister out there, talking about persecution from so-called brothers and sisters. I mean, it's insane. How can they do that with the same Bible? Crazy. So, next picture. You can see they live out in the nowhere in Papua. They depend totally on the helicopter to supply them. They do homeschooling and everything. You can find online some video about them also. Look at the house now and look how it looks now. Next picture. That's left, just ashes. So they made it true. They burned down their house with everything in it while they were out of the tribe. They were in town for supplies and during that time they burned down the house. They had to live in fear that they will also attack them or kill them because they will not be the first ones. We can see the next picture. So that's the leftover of their house. And now the last picture. Craig, Schaefer, the father, they went back with the family and looked for what they could still find out of the ashes. The only thing that survived the fire was this pot of clay. His brother produces them. And all the ones that were not burned in the oven by fire were destroyed. Only one that was tempered, or how you call that, in, in the fire oven, survived the blast. And God spoke to him. This is what I'm doing with your life. This fire that is in your life now produces something that will not burn up in the fire that is to come. Do you like that fire to come into your life? That is the question. The fire of God is producing an eternal fruit out of your life. But it burns away stuff that we love. They're computers, they're toys, they have children, you have seen children, everything gone. What for? They've invested their lives, they left America to go and serve in the end of the world and everything they have lost. But God spoke to them to encourage them. I produce in you something that will survive the final fire. Everything in our lives will be tested by fire, we read in 1 Corinthians. And only that which is gold, silver, precious stones, which will survive the testing fire of God, will be found in eternity. So what am I building in my life? Nice things that people say, wow, you're good in that, you're a good speaker, you're a good painter, you're a good guitarist, you can play very well, uh, piano. No. May God... Lighten his fire in us to take away everything that is carnal, that our lives will produce eternal fruit that will survive any testing the Lord brings along. May the fire of God do that tempering in my life, in my heart. Would you stand with me?
You know, the Holy Spirit, he's a gentleman. He is not forcing himself into your life. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit when you desire it, as you long for it. The one who is thirsty, he shall come and take from the water of life freely. And the same way it is also with the baptism, with the fire of God. It will come into lives that are open to that fire in your life. So as we sing a song, as we sing a song, just be before the Lord and open your heart and know that the fire of God in your life that you desire will be for your good, that your works that you do here on earth will be found in heaven in eternity. It will burn away nothing good in your life, you can be sure. He will burn away everything that hinders you to produce his eternal good fruit. That is what's about. And you can be sure God is good. We were singing it before. If you don't know, if you are not convinced deep in your heart that God is good, you will not be willing to open your heart to his fire. So it is so important to know God is a good God. He loves you more than you ever can imagine or dream. That's who I've, our Father is. And only if you recognize that, you're able to open yourself up and say, Lord, come. Take away everything that is hindering your will in my life. Father, I desire that your will be done in me and through me. That my life shall produce much fruit. Father, have mercy on me. If you are like this this morning, just reach out your hands and be in his presence. And allow him to touch your heart and start a new fire within you that will purify you that will bring forth the gold, the silver, the precious stone in your life and all that fruit that will last for eternity. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father.